worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Come on, here we go. Oh, King of Heaven, you conquered the grave. You free, free captain, and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great your freedom, awaken alive, oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things.
Good morning, friends. You guys awake? Are we awake? Are you awake with us online? Wherever you are joining us from, we are just glad to be gathered as the church. For those who have come, welcome. Those online, welcome. My name is Seth. If you're here for the first time, welcome. If you're joining us online for the first time, welcome. We believe that no matter where we are, that God is with us and that he's uniting us in his spirit together as one church. And we have that hope and we have that promise and he is faithful to meet us at our point of need, right where we are, right where you are. He is faithful. Let's remember that as we join together in worship, proclaiming what he's done, celebrating our God, for he is great and has done great things. Read with me from Psalm 100, if you would. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Come on, let's continue to give him praise today, this church. Oh, it's free indeed. 
and knowing that you call us just as we are. You call us into your presence to meet with you and to know you, to know who we truly are. Remind us of that. Remind us of what you've done. Focus our attention and our hearts completely upon you. We need you, Lord. We pray this in your name.
Amen. Let's keep a heart of praise and adoration to God for a moment. Holy God, we give you praise. We lift your name on high. And we do so by lifting our voices, but also rendering our hearts to you, God. And and even in this moment, no matter how our week has gone, no matter what chaos we face on a daily basis in our lives, we lay it all before you. We surrender in full recognition of who you are, your might, your power, the greatness of your love, and that love fully demonstrated through your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. We are grateful for for who you are. And so, God, as people called by you and, and people that live according to your name, let us not simply worship with songs for an hour on a Sunday morning, but, Lord, help us to be people of worship and people of praise, that each new day, God, as we wake up in the morning, we lift up adoration to you for who you are. And so as we come and sit at your feet and lift up praise, I pray, God, that you would guide and direct us. I pray, God, that you would teach us the way of Jesus that leads to life and life eternal. And I pray, God, in the process of walking in your footsteps, your Holy Spirit would change us, that we would be transformed into something that looks more like Jesus. Help us to be your people, joined and aligned with you, communing with you, abiding with you, but also sent by you into the world. Thank you for this time as we gather together, whether we're gathering in person or gathering online, we get to connect with you as a church through the power of your grace. Thank you, Lord. So bless us as we sit at your feet and learn from you. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. And if you're watching online at home, you can be seated as well if you were standing or get comfy. Uh, We have a special video here for you uh, from someone special. Well, greetings. Pastor Steve here from just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. But I'm joining you today for a very special reason. Today is the last Sunday that Gus Peters will be serving in our church as position of technical director. And I just want to personally thank you, Gus, for all that you've done, for all of your wisdom and technology, helping us to get our services online each and every week. I know that has just proven to be so invaluable and everything else that you've done over, over the years. Really over my eight years here, you've been one of the constants throughout it all, and thank you so much. I want to also thank you and bless you as you and Megan move on to a new season in your life uh, and new adventures, and we just know God's got great things in store for you. So thank you again. We appreciate you. We love you guys, and we look forward to uh, seeing you uh, in the future as God directs and leads. Uh, Congregation, would you join me in thanking Gus for the great efforts that he's given for Friends Church?
So, Gus, because we've already done this once, I'm not going to tear up in the same way I did the first service, probably. But on behalf of the staff, I just want to give you this and also express our gratitude for who you are, the friend that you are, and all that you have done for this church over the years. Um, It's, you don't, most of us, all of us don't actually understand or appreciate. We're learning now as we're trying to replace you. Um, All that is involved in in that. And so, um, so thank you. Thank you for who you've been and how you've given of yourself for this church and its mission. And so would, congregation, would you give him another round of applause? Thank you. All right. Well, uh, my name is Eric. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's great to connect with you here in person and online. This is the third week and the final week of our series dedicated to prayer. But before we go on to the last message of that series, uh, I want to share with you a little bit about what's happening this week and specifically next Sunday. A couple of important things. First of all, we are going to be opening up our children's ministry, or at least a portion of it, first grade through fourth grade during the 11 o'clock service only. Now, there's probably a lot of details and protocols, as you can imagine, and so you can, uh, if you're a parent and you're a part of uh, Lynn Pierce, our children's director, if, you, if you're a part of her email list, you have already gotten an email, so you might want to check that. Or you can find it online. Our website is whfriends.org. On the homepage, there's a button that says in person, which has all the instructions for coming in person. And along with that, it'll show you where to go for all of the details about our kids' ministry. So we're excited about that and excited about um, bringing the kids back in that. Uh, We also are going to be celebrating baptisms next Sunday, Baptism Sunday on October 4th. So we're very excited about, uh, I believe, four four individuals that are going to be um, giving their lives to Jesus Christ and ratifying that through through the waters of baptism. But we also are building towards something very special on October 4th. Next Sunday, we are going to be sharing with you a new church mission. Now, some people think of it like a mission statement or a mission strategy. We're not going to get all convoluted with all of that. We're just going to say this is our church mission. This is our way forward collectively and individually. And this is the time where we have been, as a staff and leadership, we've been seeking God's face about how God is calling us uniquely in this time and in this place. So we're excited to share that with you starting next week on October 4th. And so, in the lead-in to that, that's why we've been talking about prayer. It's important to precede any action with seeking the heart of God in prayer. So that's why we've been talking about it, and that's why we've asked you to engage in prayer throughout this series, and I hope that you've been doing that, and if you haven't been doing that, it's not too late. Guess what? We're not gonna put prayer on the shelf just because we're done talking about it in a sermon series. You can take time daily to pray. You can use the prayer scripture exercises that we make available to you. And many of you came and were part of a prayer event that where we gathered together yesterday and poured over our prayers for our community and for our nation. Thank you for being a part of that, those of you that were, and it was such a wonderful time. I have to admit that all of these times, I'm just going to confess to you, I'm sure you feel the same way, all the chaos around us makes me feel very restless. I have to tell you, when I went to this prayer exercise going from station to station, I felt a release of that. I felt unburdened, as I talked about last week, so 
um, I'm just uh, grateful for that experience. And then this week, as we lead into this new mission, um, I'm asking you to take time out of your each, each day this week to not only pray but also to fast now some of you might not be familiar with the practice of fasting it's basically do without something for a whole week enough to make you feel a little uncomfortable and what we do in that whether it's food or maybe skip a meal or say no to social media for the whole week whatever it might be in in making yourself a little bit more uncomfortable it signals to our own spirits to focus on God the Father Jesus Christ the Son and the Spirit the Holy Spirit and making ourselves available that he is all that we need so it's not some magic formula where it adds extra power to your prayers but it helps us focus our attention and our dependency on God's action through us so we ask that you would do that as a gift for your church this week as we lead into this mission now this mission is called love live lead so we're really really excited about it so hopefully you can spend some time in prayer So on this last Sunday of the series, this third Sunday of the series, we've talked about how, Pastor Steve talked about how the throne room of grace is open, that we can go to God, God is accessible in prayer. And last week I talked about how we can take that then and pour out to other people, specifically in intercessory prayer, uh, standing in the gap for other people. Today we're gonna talk about um, how we can come together and be unified in prayer. And it really starts with a word. Now, many of you grew up praying probably. You have different church traditions. And some of you might have grown up in more traditional church settings where they taught you the words to pray. And so the learning how to pray was just learning the words and then reciting those words back. Now, some of you were maybe on the opposite side of the spectrum where there was just sort of this free-flowing, free-form, and anything could come out of anybody's mouth in the course of prayer. And, of course, many of us probably found ourselves somewhere uh, in between. But no matter what background you've had, I'm guessing that there is some sort of programmed way in which you find yourself praying. And I, I know that. I think it's a, a really good guess at that because we all end our prayers with the same word. What's that word? Amen. Amen. When I was growing up, I loved that word. You know why? That was the end of the worship service and I could go to the food line at the fellowship hour. <laughs> or when the adults were done, you know, doing their thing, we could actually have some fun. Amen was always a good word, and it became, even as I learned how to pray, it became a part of the routine, the rote of prayer. It became sort of like this spiritual muscle memory. That's how I would end a prayer. Even in this sort of automatic sense, I gotta tell you, when my wife and I were still dating, I was in this time, very frazzled, very busy, so many things happening, and I was really tired, and I was in Columbus, there was a family friend that had died, and we were at the funeral, and I called Amanda to leave a voicemail on her phone to tell her, catch her up on all the things that were happening. So I went through all the the things that had gone on in the day, and because I just kind of was in my own zone or whatever, I ended the phone call by saying, in your name, amen. (laughs) And I hung up. So we know this word, 
It's part of our routine. And most of us would say this is how we end prayers. It just means it's the end. And most people, if they're looking outside, they're not a part of the Christian faith, they, they would know this too. They say, oh yeah, when Christians end their prayers, they say, Amen. But would you believe if I told you that it has nothing to do with ending anything? In fact, in the scriptures, amen can often be used before something is stated, not just after something is stated. The Hebrew word achmen or amen means truly. It, it comes from the root word to be firm. It's something that was said in truth that the whole assembly of believers could stand behind and say, yes, we believe and agree in this. It was a way in which the community of faith stood in agreement in prayer. And so it would come not just with prayers, it would come with oaths, it would come with covenant making, it would come even with blessings and curses. Anything, a, a figure of authority would come and say truly or verily, it's the same thing. It would be a way to signal to the people that what's being said here is truth. And that we as the body of believers, we're going to surround this and we're going to say, yes, we stand in agreement with this. Jesus even used a derivative of that when he was doing his ministry. Now, our Bibles won't say amen, but they'll say truly or verily I say to you. And it's a signal Jesus is about to say something really important. The prophet Isaiah, he calls God the God of amen. The God who speaks truth after which the community of faith surround and say, yes, this is truth, and we stand by it. Isn't that powerful? To see how God's people could come together and shout amen and be unified in that vision. And when I was studying this, I was so encouraged, but I, it immediately followed with a sense of crisis and restlessness within my own heart and spirit. Why? Because we live in such divisive times, don't we? It hurts my heart, guys, to, to see the community of faith, God's church, divided as the world is divided. How are we going to move forward in the division that is around us? I mean, even a year ago, we could have said that we were more unified than we are today. We never knew that we'd be faced with a global pandemic a, an expansive civil crisis in our midst, all along with one of the most divisive presidential uh, elections that our country has seen. And we could have probably predicted that one, but we live in divisive times. And in the process, the church finds itself divided. How can we be amen people? How can we lift amen prayers in the midst of division? This is something that Jesus was very concerned about. And we find in John chapter 17 that he expresses this concern for the people that would become Christian, the people that would be followers of him. He prays this prayer to God and he says, my prayer is not for them alone, meaning his disciples that walked with him. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, 
Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe what, that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to, to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Do you not hear the very heart of Jesus saying, let my sheep be unified and together in me. And so out of this heart cry of Jesus and the very concern of, of God for his people, how do we become amen people? How, how do we move forward in this? It begins with who is at our center. Yesterday, I had my first flag football game. I wasn't playing, I was the coach. You know, they didn't have anyone to coach the team, so they asked me. And I was, my son's a part of it, and I have seven, eight, and nine-year-old boys. And I knew the attention deficit, this, all, it, you know, they were not gonna be able to focus. So I said, listen up, guys, and I told the parents this too. We're gonna learn one play. That's it. The whole season, we're gonna learn one play. And you're gonna learn, you're gonna know this because that's how the Browns play too. And so we're gonna huddle up. We're gonna huddle up and I'm gonna get on one knee and I'm gonna tell you the play. This is what I had in my mind, all the expectations. I'm gonna tell you how we're gonna do that same play in that particular instance and we're gonna break and you guys are gonna do it. I had it all planned out in my mind. We were gonna do well. And I don't know why, I, I have a nine-year-old boy, I should have known better. There was a misunderstanding in how the huddle was to operate. I hadn't covered that with them. You see, I had the expectation as the coach that I would get on one knee and I would be telling them what they ought to be doing. But they had a different goal in mind. They kind of treated it like an, an open forum where I was fielding their opinions and, and, and questions. Each huddle session took minutes longer than it should have because I was trying to get them to just listen to what I was saying to them as the coach. Of course, everyone wants to be the quarterback, right? Everyone wants to get the ball thrown to them. When am I going to be in? When am I going to get the ball? When am I going to play quarterback? Hey, can we do that play again? I want to do that. And I just, guys, I, I lost my temper a little bit with these, with these kids. We didn't cover the expectation of coming into that space. And you know it's funny? It's an illustration for prayer sometimes. That instead of coming in unison together to hear from the master, to, to hear the, 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 the direction from, from Christ himself, I often find myself coming in, well, you know, God, we better do this. You know, um, hey, do, do you see this is happening? We, we better do this. We better, better do that. You know, sometimes I've, in, I've been in prayer sessions where I've backed away and I'm like, are we still praying right now? Because this feels a little bit like a sermon. <laughs> it begins with this heart posture of saying, we are coming together and we are approaching the throne of grace with confidence. We're approaching the throne. We are meeting with God the most high. And it is that sense of humility and sense of reverence that would cause us to place our own agendas aside to simply learn 
from him. So it, it begins with that. And the rest of it, I think we can learn a lot from the book of Jude. So that's where we're going to be uh, camping out here for the, the rest of our time here. The book of Jude. Now, I don't know how many of you read the book of Jude very often. It's a really tiny letter in the New Testament just before the book of Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible. The book of Jude, normally the books of the Bible have multiple chapters, but Jude doesn't have any chapters. It's just a series of verses because it's so short. And Jude, in the beginning, he identifies himself as a leader, a brother of James. And so in that, and especially in the way that he covers topics, we get this idea that Jude is with James, James being the leader of the church in Jerusalem. So he's thinking very much from a Jewish mindset, speaking to Jewish Christians that are scattered throughout, but as well speaking to the other Gentile Christians as well. And he offers a series of, of warnings because there, is, uh, there are some opponents of the faith that are trying to seek influence in the midst of the church. And if you look all throughout the New Testament and you read the letters of Paul and Peter and John, you sense that there's really two sides of influence that are trying to cause division within the church. And on one hand, you have the same crowd that you would see maybe Jesus uh, encountered. Maybe not just the Pharisees, but people that had the Pharisaic mind, the legalists, the people that were so tied to the works of the law that that was the only way that they could express their faith. And when it came to the Gentiles, there was a great disagreement at the beginning of the church. Should the Gentiles become Jewish in order to become Christian? How does that work? And so Paul and Peter, they hashed it out. They said, no, they don't have to. They went on their way. But there were some that still did not disagree. And so they followed around and became, as Paul calls, a thorn in his flesh in trying to discredit and undermine Paul's ministry. But on the other side, there's another crowd. And these would probably come from the Greek or Hellenistic influence, as we say. And they were just so happy that they had the free grace of Jesus Christ that, that they, they could just receive Jesus and then live however they wanted to live. I mean, they, they were proponents of this, uh, of this lawlessness that that, well, they don't need the, the works of the law. They have grace. And so it just gave them license to just do whatever they wanted. And what the leaders of the early church find is that they're toggling between both of those opponents and trying to find the middle place where they're supposed to be and a way in which they are supposed to go forward. And that's who Jude is addressing in his letter. These are the people that feel as though because they have grace, they can just live however they want, live for themselves, complete lawlessness, free license to, to do whatever they want. And he uses some pretty tough words, Jude does. And in verse 19, we get a glimpse of that. He says, these are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. They divide you. And so here we are in 2020, restless, overwhelmed sometimes at all of the division in our country, in our society, all of the division, even within the church, things that break our hearts and the things that we know would break God's heart. And here we're talking about people 2,000 years ago 
they're, st- they're dealing with division too. And so I think Jude might have a word for us this morning. For those of us living in the midst of division, how do we move forward? And he says it in this, verse 20 and 21. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Jude uses a metaphor in building up their faith that many of the New Testament writers had used. It's a great metaphor. It gives us a lot of imagery in our own minds, but it was significant for the people of that day because it was in the early 60s that the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. Now the temple was the primary gathering space for believers all throughout the Old Testament. It was God's house. It was the place where they would celebrate their festivals, their rites, their rituals. It's where they would travel during the Passover season. People would travel there just to participate. In fact, when things were so scattered about for the Jewish people, little villages would send one representative to represent the whole village to go and celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem. It all happened in God's city, Jerusalem. Even a festival that Uh, Our Jewish friends will be celebrating tomorrow, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. All of it happened in the temple, God's house, in the city of Jerusalem, God's city. And then in the early 60s, all of that was destroyed. How are they to make sense of this, God's people? And the Christians, they knew something about that. They had heard the words of Jesus saying that he would, break, he would tear down the temple and build it up again in three days. And then after his death, the temple curtain would be torn, saying that God no longer lived there. He lived in his church, the gathered body of believers scattered all throughout, but unified in him. So in that faith, build yourself up. Build yourself up. You are the new temple, church. You are the new space through which God rests and resides and lives. It's you, church. So build yourself up in that faith with Christ being the cornerstone. Paul repeats this in Ephesians uh, chapter two. He says, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Build yourselves up in the faith. In the midst of division, build yourselves up in the faith. And then he says, pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. How do we pray in the Holy Spirit? Well, there's a lot I could say, and there's a lot that I don't know because it's the Holy Spirit. But here's a few things to keep in mind. That it says praying in the Holy Spirit. To pray in the Holy Spirit is to not only dip our toe in the water, but to go deep enough where the, bottom, uh, where, the, where the bottom drops off and we are submerged in the Holy Spirit. That we look for God's direction, even in the moment of prayer. That we seek the leading and the guiding and the prompting of the Holy Spirit there in that moment in prayer. Not with our own lists and agendas to wait for the prompting of God in the Holy Spirit. 
Now this church is a friend's church and some of you might see that, oh, that's a nice name for a church, friend's church, you know, they're friendly. But friends actually come from a tradition. And the friends had this tradition of gathering together in worship and saying nothing. (laughs) Complete silence. How would you like that? You come to a space like that and we'll just be quiet. (laughs) Some of you might want that. You might say that's a breath of fresh air, right? And they would come and they would be quiet. Silence was the default of their meeting times and their worship times so that if a person came forth to say something, it was only by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a reversal of what we see today? I'll confess that myself. I don't like awkward silence. And so I have the temptation sometimes in the midst of that to just start talking (laughs) to fill that space. What an example for us to make the default or the starting point to be silent so that if someone had a word from the Holy Spirit, they would be able to stand forth and proclaim it. Praying in the Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit, to recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit in the midst of prayer as opposed to simply listing our requests. And then he says that if you build yourself in the faith, and you pray in the Holy Spirit, it will help you to remain in God's love. And that is the fruit of our unity and agreement in prayer. It is love. It's God's love. It's God's love that fills us and pours out of us in the midst of of prayer. It's all God's love that is shared between all of us who are different, come from different backgrounds, different heritages, different cultures, different life perspectives. We will vote different, believe it or not. And yet, we can be unified through the love of God that we hold and share with one another. And then he adds one more thing. As we wait, as we wait. Because it is the sure and firm belief that as much chaos and distraction and difficulty we might face in this world, Jesus has promised to come back again and that he will make all things right. That no matter what we might face this week or the next week, No matter what trials or difficulties, Jesus promises that one day when he returns, there will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering because he will make all things right again. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Amen. And let's pray. Amen. We stand in agreement. for who you are and for your promises. That over and against the chaos and the division of this world, we hold fast and continue and remain in your love and wait. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We lay all things before you. Let us be unified as your church and your people, 
bound to you in your love. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here this Sunday. It was great to connect with you. And as always, we'll have a series of questions that come up on the screen for you to reflect if you're on your own uh, from the message or if you're gathered with your loved ones, you can discuss them as well. Now coming up, we have some really exciting things that we're anxious to talk to you about. Some of them you know, we're launching new groups online Monday through Friday via Zoom. We'll have all the information on our website and on uh, our Facebook page so that you can get lost logged in and you can journey through the book of Acts with fellow uh, participants and and believers uh, to encourage each other in the faith. But we're also going to be unveiling a brand new church mission that we are so excited about here at Friends. It's something we've been talking about, discussing, praying over, and we're going to ask you to join us in those prayers as we lead into this next series uh, starting October 4th. Could you take a time for fasting during this week? Maybe just stop using social media or maybe stop eating something or skip a meal and instead use that time to pray and to focus, lifting up your church to God. We would greatly appreciate it and we can join together in prayer as we begin to explore what God is doing in our congregation and how God is uniquely calling us in our region for such a time as this. We are so excited and we're excited to talk about about it starting October 4th. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your generosity. Your continued giving helps us to continue to be uh, a part of the life of the church and to carry out God's mission. So thank you. Have a wonderful week, and we look forward to checking in with you next week.